0: I held up my hands. Saya tidak bisa bicara bahasa Indonesia, I said with my best accent, telling him I couldn't speak his language. He stopped talking and nodded knowingly. Bye, bye. After that, we just looked at each other, smiling and nodding sharing the common experience of being strapped beneath tight sheets with bandages wrapped around a part of our body. Then he had a thought. He leaned across and offered me his hand. Moklas, he said. Aye, Moklas. I took his hand, surprised at his limp grip. Alex, I told him. Sire Alex. Once again we fell into an awkward state of smiling and nodding, before his face lit up again, as if he'd come to a sudden and significant conclusion. He took a hand of small bananas from his bedside table and ripped one from the bunch. He passed it to me, saying, "Pisang, pisang toujours. Banana. I took it from him. Terima kasi. Thank you, words I'd committed to heart and opened it immediately, my stomach grabbing for the food. It occurred to me at that precise moment, though, that I didn't know where I was, nor how long I'd been there. It was a strange realisation that dropped into me like a weight, especially when I remembered the fate of my rucksack. I stopped, with the banana touching my lips, and I put my free hand to my waist where my money belt had been. Gone. I dropped the fruit on the sheets and turned to check the table beside my bed. I leaned down to open the small door, feeling the blood racing to my head where it pumped and pounded, beating in my ears. The cupboard behind the door was empty. The weight that had dropped into my stomach began to mutate. It was no longer just a weight. It was now a living thing, which was expanding and rising inside me, threatening to cause panic in every cell of my body. The man beside me was speaking again, but his voice sounded different as my breathing quickened. I'd lost everything that gave me any identity. I'd lost myself. Everything. I wrestled with the constricting sheets and swung my legs from the bed, my ankles skinny and pale, dangling from the mattress as I lowered my feet onto the floor. The glossy paint covering the concrete was cold under my soles, as I pushed myself up to stand. I crossed the ward as quickly as I was able to, my head numb and the sickness returning to my stomach. I didn't know where I was going or what I would do, but I needed to do something. My clothes had been taken from me. Somebody must have undressed me, put the gown over me, and that meant someone must know where my belongings were, my money and my passport. Without them, I was nobody. I leaned onto the swinging doors, pushed my way into the corridor, and stopped. I put out a hand, leaning against the wall for support, and looked around. One side of the long hallway was lined with beds and trolleys, many of them old and broken, all of them full. Men and women, some with limbs missing, blood draining from their bodies as ill-equipped doctors and nurses struggled to help them. The other wall of the corridor provided a place to lean on for yet more patients. They were sitting in the stifling heat, no fans above their heads to break the air. I stayed where I was, taking it all in, the sounds and the smells and the sights overloading my mind. I put my free hand over my eyes, my head swimming, wondering where I was and what I was going to do. When I took it away again, a middle-aged man in a long white coat was standing before me. He put his hand on my shoulder and spoke, but his words meant nothing. I shook my head. I don't understand. He tried to look sympathetic, nodding, still talking, but the look in his eyes was unfamiliar. His expressions were not like those I was used to. I tried to move away. From-